There's only one thing I value in this world, Stephen, and that's loyalty. And without it, you are nothing. And you have no one. Freedom. You're my older brother. I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Mr. Alonso, I'm not going to change somebody's life, but I don't have to be there physically in order to be loyal to them. We ready? I'm ready. Okay. Welcome to another episode of Chill and Ambitious, the podcast that points out shit you didn't know was relevant. Um, oh, I'm no. And together, together we, we make. make... Oh, oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to take tell us what we're doing our Chill and Ambitious spin on today, No? Yes. Oh, today we're talking about loyalty and the great impact it can have on the different kinds of relationships we have in life. Uh, and we will be interviewing today's life innovator and show you how she has leveraged loyalty to create successful, lasting relationships with her customers. Cool. So, no, what what do you think makes someone loyal? What does loyalty mean to you? Loyalty no. means to me. Funny enough, it doesn't really mean to me like, uh, uh, him, you know, we're going to be together forever and ever and ever till we Duh. Your promises I cannot break And I know you will never change Die. Does it sound appealing to you? No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, marriage, whatever. But <laughs> like loyalty. That's cool. <laughs> it's fine. If you do that, that's fine. Um, no, but like loyalty isn't like this. I uh, is For me, is more like this idea of like, the impression that somebody makes on you, you kind of like, that's the first thing you think of. Like, um, like for me, it's like, I, okay. Like I, every time I go get my nails done, the first thing I think about is if I forgot my nail polish, because I'm like loyal to floss gloss, I love floss gloss. And I, it's like, cause I love the, you know, I like got, you guys have heard hopefully the last episode that I like love the product so much. And also love my girls so much that like, it's literally the first thing I think of. And that's actually what loyalty means to me is that, that you be, that, that, person or thing is top of mind when you're when you need to you know when you need something that, that exactly yeah. and yeah we we did have them on our podcast last because yeah when you thought of life innovators you thought of floss gloss and they're top of mind and you guys should check out episode two if you didn't check it out yet <laughs> yes um, yes but that's true because there's like the sense of loyalty um that we have towards each other and it's a really beautiful thing i guess people get afraid of being loyal i think sometimes because you it's, it has this connotation that you're going to be a doormat. And you don't got to be a doormat. No, and actually that doesn't breed loyalty. Eventually. Actually, yeah. It breeds resentment. That's what that does. It breeds <laughs> resentment for the person who's being a doormat and then for the person who is getting the all, all the benefits, uh, it can eventually feel like a one-sided relationship. Yeah, and that's how you get bad Yelp reviews, guys. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, it's true. And and the reason why I feel like we want to talk about Yelp reviews is because so our guest that's coming on later on, she has really good Yelp reviews. Yeah, that's actually she does. Um but the power with that though is that if there's a problem that customers come to her directly first because they have such a good relationship. Yeah. She that they talk to her first. Absolutely. So actually there was a study done uh, at a bank, 
So after a positive experience, more than 85% of customers increased their value to the bank by purchasing more products or investing more of their assets. So like they actually gave more than they intended to just by people, you know, just by having a good interaction. And then also more than 70% reduced their commitment when they had an interaction that they found unpleasant. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes total sense. It's like people don't think about it, but it can, it can play out like in the long run, really impact a business. Um, if you think about it this way, like let's say you have a local local burger joint that you go to like once a week, right? And you, you know, you spend money there once a week and then you have a really bad experience and you are like, for whatever reason, you never want to go back there again. That might seem negligible, but if you and several other people had that same poor interaction, then that over time, that's, you know, tw- you know, $20 from each person every week that they're not getting. And then, Right. And, and, and people talk and, and people talk. And it's true. And I think what's interesting about that study is, you know, it's about those personal re- interactions. Maybe the brand has always been consistent with their message, with their advertising. But at the end of the day, it's about that one on one interaction they had with their customer service. And I think the most successful customer service ones like like B is where they're able to actually be like a friend. You got trouble. And I got them too. So actually, in another study, they said that 86% of buyers will pay more for a better customer experience, but only 1% of customers feel that vendors consistently meet their expectations. Wow, 1%. That's really impactful. People are willing to spend more money for you you to just interact with them in a better way. People are even willing to take less salary in a job if they have a better relationship with their boss and the people around them. And that equates to loyalty that, you know, that, that there's a mutually beneficial relationship there. Yeah. Actually at my current job, I had some personal extenuating circumstances and my boss was actually really chill about um, working with me in terms of taking time off or like working from home and things like that, that, you know, not every company would do for you. Um, so yeah, I definitely have more loyalty now and will think twice about other offers. Um, yeah, that's true. And then if you want to take it to even just personal, like personal, like interactions, what you can do is like, you've ever think about like your local barista who's just that you see every single day and you like, sometimes, you know, you just, you become friendly and you'll get a free coffee. That's because of the loyalty factor that they they come to know you that there becomes a relationship. Just being kind to people in like these small ways and just really making an, an impression, asking someone what their name is, like that actually that is like becomes a relationship. There they they start to think about oh it's my favorite customer to see. It's my favorite, uh you know, and it's it's a beneficial relationship for you. And today with the power of social media and user review sites like Yelp, customers' voice has the ability to directly impact a business by influencing other customers towards or away from any business. So like, this is such a powerful tool that you can really honestly leverage in every aspect of your life. Um, yeah, so our guest today has built an amazing business that is rooted in her dedication to her customers and vice versa. This comes naturally for B, who holds very high standards and is invested in the outcome of not just her projects, but her relationships. Uh, so welcome, Beatrice Sang of Baby Bee's Bake Shop. We're recording live in her studio in LA, actually, or in her bakery in LA. Uh, 
Please welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I'm a big foodie. I came from San Francisco and we don't play there. If you serve something bad, people will let you know right away. <laughs> I used to bake cupcakes and cakes for my coworkers on their birthday. Mm-hmm. They would straight up be like, B, this is not your best. <laughs> or they throw a rock on the floor and they said, did you hear that? I just dropped your cupcake. <laughs> they were brutal. So at this point, you know, if it gets past my friends and my family, I know it's good. That's freaking awesome, though. <laughs> so you had like, you had a, a real, girl. yeah. And my boyfriend audience. is French and all of his friends are French. Oh, yeah, they're really. So they're huge, high huge standards. dessert critics. And if they like something, I know it's gold. <laughs> if he says it is flaky, you know, <laughs> it is good. Yeah. <laughs> oui. Would you say it was pretty critical, actually, for you in some ways to getting your product where it needs to be? Um, it, it is because, you know, I feel like my palette's pretty good, but I'm not the one buying it. You need to make sure everybody else is, you know, on the same page with you and really loves it. And when I started getting, you know, unanimous feedback for everything, that's when I put it on the menu. Cool. Yeah, actually, I, it's funny. I forgot that I've known B for a long time and I forgot that you like used to bake for everyone all the time. Like it, it was a natural progression, but I never really thought about the fact that it was kind of like your testing ground, like your where you like you got to fail on a small scale, like like <laughs> on a small scale, like before being like, oh I'm opening a business. Well I never saw it coming either. I, it was never my intent to have a bakery or to bake every day. Yeah, tell us yeah, so how did how did that happen? Yeah. Um, let's see. So I was working in marketing and finance and then I came to LA for acting because I had always been studying musical theater. So I thought I'd test the waters out here while I was still young. And I ended up spending most of my time bartending you know, at night to get mm-hmm. by and auditioning during the day. And then I just got really tired of it. Um, I'm such a control freak and I, you know, did everything properly through my life mm-hmm. um, that I wasn't used to not having a schedule not having immediate returns for like my hard work. It, it was, everything was just kind of up in the air and random. Even my work shifts. You never knew when you were going to get one next. Right. So I was talking to another bartender one night and I said, you know, I got to think of something I can offer myself. And I mentioned I like baking. She's like, well, why don't you just post a bunch of stuff on Etsy? I'm like, well, what about, you know, permits? And I don't, I don't even know how to start. She says, trust me, if you make things really pretty, nobody will care. <laughs> and I said, okay. So I started blogging and I learned about all of this design work. And I learned how to like start decorating some cookies and stuff. And I put it online. And then my friends started ordering and I just picked up from there. And I, I realized I was really good at it. So I just kept learning more and more and practicing more and more. And I was lucky enough to have friends who kept, you know, giving me purchases. So I had a reason to keep um, training myself. And then it took off from there. And the in cake. Everyone loves desserts, right? Like most people for like whenever it's someone's birthday, even if they're not a big dessert person, you always get a cake. You always like... It's ingrained in our culture. So there's always going to be a time you need one. Um, I mean... A you lot know, of it's like a lot of the Middle Eastern cultures, like they need a full table of desserts oh, oh, for yeah. everything. You don't go to someone's <laughs> house without... Dessert. Like if you're going to visit someone's house, mm-hmm. you don't go without dessert. So there's always an excuse for it. Which Bring is some cake. Will you stop off at the bakery? All right. Why don't you just get some ring dings from the liquor store? <laughs> ring dings? 
Hey, ring dings are better than anything you're going to get at a bakery. Oh, I like ring dings. George, you can't show up at someone's house with ring dings and Pepsi. <laughs> Unless you're George Costanza, of course. Uh, but for the Lane Venices out there, you know, they want to stand out. They want their dessert game on point. Yeah, I think that's where it really helps. Because yes, you always need it. But then how do you keep doing it differently? You know, we have lunch and dinner every day, but how are you going to make that final bite different? And then you can only do so many flavors, so they start coming up, coming to us to do different designs. Cool. Do they usually come to you with their ideas, or do you like? Is it a collaborative process? That's where it's changing for us because we used to be purely a design service. We weren't retail, so people were really seeking me out. They wanted some custom work done. They had an idea. They wanted us to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. But now that we have the store, people come in a lot and say, "Do you have a book I can just pick?" They want a menu because mm-hmm. they don't know what they want. They don't know what the design process is, and they're hoping we'll just show them and tell them. And that's something we're working on now to kind of create a simplified line that people can just point and choose and be done. Also, people are very visual, like. We're in a very visual time yes. in our culture. Like we've we've like grown into like Instagram being this thing where people constantly have imagery in their face. And it actually, what I think is really cool about things like Instagram is that you you're learning about taste, about visual taste, without really realizing that you're learning. Like so, you know, some people find that they're great at taking photos, but it's because they're always looking at photos, and then they can kind of maybe subconsciously pick up on like a common thread of. So you feel like Instagram's raising everyone's taste level? I think that Instagram is raising everyone's taste level if they people who are using it. It also makes it more accessible and kind of going back to like how you need a yeah. menu, how yes. they have those, those filters that are preset in some ways. So kind of gives people some boundaries so that they can't mess up too much, you know? I feel like you kind of... Yeah, you know, like, it, it has some good and bad. Um, I think... On the design level, like for the retail store, it's going to be great when we finally have a full menu for them to choose. But on the custom side, I feel like people have gotten too dependent on photos. Like you can't do it unless it has already been done, mm. which for an artist is They're really buyers. restrictive. You're all buyer. No, it's true. God complexes was was. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a side story, (laughs) sidebar. Wait, fill me in. What's the God complex? So, uh, we have this guy. We know this guy. (laughs) I think he grew up in India and and he loved Australia and like Sweden or something, right? He's like Swedish and Australian and grew up in India. Yeah. And the first time he came to the US, he was here with his girlfriend and they went to Starbucks and he was like, oh, look at this place, you know? And like, (laughs) this is so interesting. And she orders her, you know, like double macchiato with like this much cream. Like, yeah. Right. And it's like a, it's like a 10 piece order and for one, one thing. And he was just like, that's part of the menu. I thought she was going to get kicked out when she was like telling her order, (laughs) like who does that? Who has such a specific order catered to you? And he was like, oh, and I found out that's just how it is. And he's like, I love this place. I love America. Everyone has a God complex and it's okay. But yeah, it's kind of like that, you know, where people are like, they like, also because they're so, maybe when they're so inundated with imagery, they just kind of like don't then they lose their taste or they don't know exactly what they're looking for they don't have their own taste because i'm actually okay with the god complex i'm okay with you coming in and telling me all the different things that you want but the issue is then you have to trust us to do it because we do have a lot of clients who come in and they'll tell us what they want and we say okay 
And they said, well, how do we know if you're going to do it? I said, you don't. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you just have to trust. If you come to me, you know, you have to be prepared for, you know, some of my artistic input and to know that your design is not going to be cookie cutter. Right. You know, halfway through, we might decide to add an extra little element and custom work is not something you can go around and just price shop. It's really about your relationship with the designer because they're the ones understanding everything you want and everything you're not saying. Mm -hmm. They just have to trust your taste level. Yeah, and so far most of my clients are, I think all of my clients have been very understanding of that because most of them come here having purchased a custom cake before. That's one of the nice things. We took over um, the location from Rosebuds, Mm -hmm. which was very established for years and years. And um, I've been fortunate enough where the old owners have been sending all of their old clients to us Mm -hmm. for any future work. And they come in already with the right attitude because they've worked with other companies that did this before. They have the proper expectations in terms of budget and of timing and also that they will be surprised and they're just trusting you to create something nice for them. That's awesome. That's another huge thing too, to be able to already have an audience that you don't have to educate too much in Mm -hmm. terms of... under. Because yeah, doing a custom cake... there's certain things, like you said, like your creative process and being respectful of that. What about, this is like really, I think, important because we're kind of all, we're all about community and like the community of our, of all these really creative people we know who are, you know, doing their own thing, these are life innovators. Um, but it sounds like you have a really great community be- between your friends and then even moving to LA, like you obviously didn't have necessarily know that many people when you moved here. So how do you think that you ended up with such a supportive community? What was like the key? I, I think that's something really cool to talk about because I've been very, very lucky. And so much of what I've created is because I've had a lot of help. Um, I think you build a community by asking for it. I was very vocal all the time about what I was doing. I wasn't shy about asking for help. If I met somebody who I knew would be a good resource, I would just ask. And I think there's a balance there because you have to ask in a way where it's mutually beneficial. Right. That's a really good point. Um, And I think a lot of people forget that part. You know, I've done mixers where I've seen some of my contacts just go up to another contact and straight up ask for things. And first of all, they don't know who you are. They don't know what you're doing. They need to believe in your cause. Mm -hmm. So I'm very expressive about, you know, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And if I can see a good fit for both parties. I have a photographer that I work with a lot. She takes great pictures. So I give her access, you know, to my clientele. I promote her everywhere I go. And in return, she takes photos for me and does the same. And it's more than just being professionally helpful. We're friends. I work with people that I like. I work with people that I'm going to have dinner with and that I can just call up on a rainy day. Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song And I'll try not to sing out a key Oh, I get by with a little help I will say the other thing I think is, aside from your being very passionate, because every project you do you're very passionate about, like, you know, um, I've seen you work on other things and people really respond well to you and sometimes I'm like how are all these people <laughs> there was one project where, that B worked on where I was just kind of like how are all these people helping you for free and I could just tell that it's because when she talked they were like sold on this idea and they knew like kind of had this feeling you would get it done but also that you're big on follow through like B is kind of a perfectionist and she holds people to very high standards 
as a friend, she sometimes <laughs> actually as a friend, she's the only friend who's ever been like, if I do something that she doesn't really agree with, she's like, she'll be like, I remember one time you're like, I'm disappointed in you. And I've like, it really, <laughs> it really like moved me. I was like, no one, no one's ever said that. <laughs> you know? And I didn't take it offensively. You were kind of like, oh, I ex- you held me to a higher standard. Yeah. And it made me really think about that thing, which is funny. So like, I think that that's part of it is that like you, you have a good sense of follow through and you're very like, you stick to your morals. In- and you eat by example too. Yeah. <laughs> if you're like a total slob and was like, I'm disappointed in you. It's like, you. <laughs> I don't even remember saying yeah. that to you. <laughs> I don't, I know, but you know, like it really made me think about the thing and I was like, oh, like, She's holding me to That's this really high I standard. I love you, Noelle. I love you too. <laughs> you don't get mad about things with people you don't care about. You it's just true. brush it yeah. off. You only get mad if that person is somebody you really care about and you want them to do better. Oh yeah, totally. I didn't take offense to it. I just thought okay, that good. that was a great... <laughs> no, that was just like an example of like your high standards. And doing it in be- a way that isn't offensive. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is something... like That's why I liked what you said about like putting everything out there, but then also you do follow through and you also put your mission out there and you make it very mutually beneficial because I think a lot of times only half the message gets across and a lot of these like, you can do it things. It's like, yeah, just put yourself out there. But it's like... But how? Right. And it's it's the fact that you're giving something and seeing it not as a favor. I think that's really common for people who are just starting and things like that is like, especially when you care so much about it, you like can't imagine why anyone else would care about it nearly as much as you do. Seems like at least counterproductive and like the way that you've done it, it's a bit more like, yeah, that's my vision, but this is also like how you can support this vision. Well, you seem to look out for people as well. And let's be honest, I have cupcakes. Yes, yeah, this, <laughs> this is true. She, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want to come here and lend a hand for a cupcake? <laughs> and they're pretty freaking good. They're, yeah, they're really good. I was good. totally like, Taking one, and then I'd be like, I'm chill. And then like every five minutes later, I was like, I'll try this one. I think you tried the full menu. I tried to get, yeah, I did. <laughs> and I, I, I liked all of it. You don't know when you're coming back. You, well, you can't. Sugar in the morning, sugar in the evening, sugar at supper time. You were telling us a little bit about some of like the daily things that you didn't realize were going to be such a big hassle in terms of like actually running a business. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, when you when you speak about them after the fact, they don't seem like that big of a deal. But at the time, when all of those little things are piled together, like let's say hiring has always been a big issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, finding people who will even just show up to their interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you think you're helping people out. You know, you're giving them a job. They need a job. You think it's going to be a great relationship. And most of them don't even show up to the interview. Or they'll show up half an hour late. Um, so that's the first challenge. And then... You know, I had a dishwasher that altered his paycheck. So when you finally do find somebody, you mm-hmm. know, they can come up to you and thank you every day. I mean, he was the sweetest and he was, he had a lot of potential. Like he was actually starting to learn some of the design work and he, he was catching everything on so quickly that I was thinking, okay, as we expand, we can definitely get him out of the, the kitchen um, from doing dishes and maybe helping us on the baking side. Um, but, Halfway through, um, one day he altered his paycheck and I had to fire him. Yeah. So you never know. Like you get hit with surprises all the time. I just had another um, girl. She's been with me pretty much full time since day one. I get a text message at 10 p.m. one night. No warning. Oh, today was my last day. 
So hiring is probably one of the biggest headaches. And even when they are good and even when they do work out, you know, there's a big learning curve in our field because we are doing something very specialized. Mm-hmm. Um, permits, um, insurance, all of the legal aspect takes a lot out of you because it's, you know, it's your first time, it's new. You're still researching what the words mean, let alone how to make your next decision. And then learning your clientele once you you set up shop because you don't know who's coming in. You don't know what to expect. We realize most of the people walking in were children. We realize there's a few schools in the neighborhood. So we had to restructure a little bit um, before our market was very heavily corporate. Mm. Corporate gift giving. We worked with a lot of fashion companies. Um, now we're promoting more heavily with children. And we had an extra room for the bakery. And we turned it into um, a playroom where we do decorating classes and parties for the kids now. And we're starting to group some party packages. But what's been helpful is the community is very vocal. (laughs) Especially when you're new. They like to come in and tell you what to do. And I think our first two weeks, all I heard were people coming in saying, oh, how cute. You know what you should do? (laughs) That was the phrase that ran through my head literally 24-7 for two weeks. You know what you should do? Oh, have you thought about this? And you know what? It's, It's sweet. At the end of the day, they care it's enough. It's free advice. Yeah, and they want you to succeed and they want you to stay around. So they're trying to help you. And we took some of the feedback. You know, we really structured some things for the children in the neighborhood. You know, we changed our display here and there a little bit. We added some products. So at least we feel like we're welcome here. Well, yeah. I heard that you know all of your customers' names. Yes, I know them all. And I make sure they know I know them. You know, I know sure. them by name. And... um It's really important not to treat them as just a customer, but I kind of treat everybody as my friend. Like I know their kid's name. I know their birthdays. I, you know, I know what they're doing in school. Like it's important to establish those relationships, especially if you're going to be a small business in a very family centered community. Um, This whole neighborhood is full of families and moms and their kids walking by. So you have to change your approach with them. And, and if they appreciate it, you restructure your business a little bit. They're not going to be coming in just because they want a cupcake. Sometimes like they come in just because a kid wanted to say hi. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> I love it. And I think that's what goes back to, you know, your question about community. Take the advice people give you. Like if you're going to ask for help, you have to use it. Otherwise, they just wasted their time too. We were having a slow spell. Um, we learned that during the summer, most of the people in the Beverly Hills neighborhood, they leave. They all, you know, they have a summer home or they go traveling. So our business got really, really quiet. So I called up um, my friend Grace at Cherish Events, and she does beautiful weddings and event planning. And I said, well, what are we going to do? She says, well, you're going to throw a party, so let's glam things up a little bit. Now that you know the kids are out of school and they're gone, let's plan something more for the adults. And she started showing me pictures of like paper flower walls and new shelving and all of this that just looked to me really expensive and time consuming. But that was her idea. So I did it. And I said, well, I'll do this, but you have to come too. And she said, okay. So, I mean, she's a full-time, super busy event planner. She gave up her Sunday. We sat in the shop and folded flowers literally the entire day. (laughs) And that's, you know, I think when you commit to their ideas and you trust their ideas, they want to see it happen too, you know, because that's part of their art that's in your shop now and they want to help you. The collaboration. Yeah, and now we have these gorgeous flowers that everybody always comes in asking about. They're oh, gorgeous. beautiful. You've done a good balance of, yeah, keeping the taste level 
a bit more sophisticated, but it's still very kid-friendly, I think. Yeah, and that was a challenge. Like, where do we find that middle ground um, and also still keep it welcoming for the little boys um, and not make it too much like a princess wonderland? And we kind of found that the boys didn't really care as long as you give them frosting <laughs> and, and sprinkles. They were cool. <laughs> They yeah. don't care if there's pink flowers everywhere. That's so funny. Yeah, they saw a picture of the Transformers cake, and they're like, I want that. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> it. I think at that age, they're not so defined on gender roles yet. They don't, they don't have those same expectations They yet. see sugar. Yeah, they see cupcakes and cookies, and yeah, they're fine. And get in my belly is the next thought. What you gonna, what you gonna do with that dessert? Do what, do what they yeah, and you know, if they are doing a birthday party here, we can always customize it towards a theme that's more appropriate for them. Yeah. Well, it was like one of the funnest um, display, displays you've done. I, I've seen that, like, if you go on Bee's Instagram um, and her website, you'll see that there are just so many beautiful pictures of so many fun uh, things. Like, they, she does a lot of dessert tables that are like, you'll get the cakes and the macaroons and the cake pops and, and the cookies. And it's just, like, really, really fun, like an explosion of color. What's, what, what, what are some of your favorite things that you've worked on? I would say... We recently did a Monopoly party. And although it's not my favorite display, I think like Transformers is probably at the top of my list. But what made Monopoly so much fun is because she's actually the same mom that purchased the um, Transformer display table the year before. So at that level, we already had the trust built in. So during year two, um, when she came to me, there was very little communication. She told me a few things that she wanted and then she left the rest up to me. And that's what makes it most fun for my team. When we have that full freedom and we know we have a client that we've already worked with, so we know their style, we know what they like and don't like. They know that we know that and they trust us. And we had just full rights to design what we wanted and explore. And, and it helped that she didn't have much of a budget. So we really got to do whatever we wanted. And in the end, she was so happy. Um, she was having a Monopoly glow party. Hmm. What is a glow? Party? I know it was like a little rave for seven-year-olds. Yeah, <laughs> so fun. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it was at an indoor playroom where they have, um, what, it's called totally glow zone. They do bumper cars, but it's all glow in the dark. They have rock climbing glow in the dark. They have like dance rooms with like the LED floors. It's madness, and they rented the whole place out. And we had to do a dessert table to match, but the boy was really fixed on Monopoly that year. So we had to incorporate that in somehow. So we built the whole Monopoly board. We did all the little tiles. And it was nice because in my mind, I can't draw. I can sculpt a cake and I can design a cookie, but like actually drawing the tiles of a Monopoly board, that freaked me out for a long time. And then I did it and I'm like, dude, I'm kind of good. <laughs> so that was a really proud moment for me. <laughs> and we decided to build Mr. Monopoly like shooting out from the cake. And then we even found um, a cotton candy machine with uh, these LED wands. So they would glow um, wherever the kids walked and they'd be like flashing rainbows. So it was just a lot of fun. When you have the budget and you have a client that trusts you, you can, do what, you can do whatever you think about doing. And that's when the creativity and the excitement really comes out for me and my team. That sounds rad. I want to go to this glow zone. Well, I don't know if it's just you know Beverly Hills in this area or if it's happening everywhere. But children are more advanced these days. Um, yes. We do birthday parties here. And the 12-year-olds are walking in with you know all designer clothes, designer makeup. Everything is very high-end. And then I, had, I was talking to a little girl. She's about to do her eighth or ninth birthday 
And she said that she wanted to do a party bus. And I said, you, do you know what that is? <laughs> like, how is this possible? I don't think I knew what a party bus was until I was like maybe 21. Wow. You guys talk like grown-ups. Oh, well, this is a really good school. It's so funny. So the, the kids, um, their expectations are higher. And I think that's why they appreciate our room, too, because it doesn't look like a normal children's studio. It doesn't look pedestrian or like, yeah, it's a little more sophisticated. Yeah, it doesn't look like a jungle gym. It, they feel like they're playing with like the grown-ups in a, in a nicer environment. So we try to keep that balance, like you said, of the adults and the kids. And we find the kids rather jump into something higher end than feel like they are at Chuck E. Cheese. It's that Instagram yeah. that's, that's elevating their t- taste level. Um, is there any sort of process that you have when you're building trust with your clients? Like when you are trying to figure out like what they're about or is it just very instinctual for you? I think it's just talking to them, um, inviting them in and talking to them. And, you know, they usually get really comfortable and they, they start telling me a lot of their personal life and you just learn to stay alert through all of that. And you figure out, you know, there's certain clients I know, like, keep it simple. They're minimalist. They're not going to want too much fuss. They're probably getting a cake just because it's their wedding and their parents are expecting a cake. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you deal with that. And other people, um, they might say one thing, but they say they're simple, but then they show you a Pinterest full of like all handmade flowers and gold brushing. And, right, you know, so right. you, you learn to understand, you know, all the little aspects together and find a medium. And I think once you do that, that's how you get their trust. When you can start offering ideas that fit their trend, then they know you see what they see, even if they're saying it wrong. <laughs> that, that shit is really key. I feel like it designed the same sort of thing. Like those words mean so many things to different people. One of the favorite words I feel like I've had every boss say is like, I need something more elevated. <laughs> and that means a hundred different things to a hundred different people. Yeah, and where you- do those standards lie? Or my favorite is when people call and they say, well, I just need a really simple cake. And you're like... I'm like, uh-huh. Show what me, is simple? Show me a picture. <laughs> what, what do you think simple means? Because some people, they think it's... At the end of the day, no matter how much work you put into it, they still think it's just a cake. Yeah. But they forget whether it's porcelain or granite or wood. It still had to be carved. It still had to be That's detailed so and molded. You know, it's the same work. And if anything, it takes us even longer because we're working with something that melts. <laughs> I know we um, stopped by the other day and there was like a little bit of like a mini emergency where the, the power went out for like an hour. Oh, my heart attack. And yeah, and B was like on, you know, on high alert. Like, well, we got to have a back, you know, you have to have a plan in case it, luckily they, it came right back on. But, you know, it's like, it, it's so much Because what if juggle. we were in the middle of an event the next morning, you know, and we don't have lights, we don't have refrigeration, and it's super hot in Los Angeles right now. Anything we would have already made would have completely melted. And it... How, ma- how much butter? You were saying, like, <laughs> you're like, it's like a hundred... I had like, like $500 of butter in the freezer <laughs> or fridge. <laughs> Butter's expensive right now. The drought, like, really drives up the cost of a lot of our ingredients. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't, and you're not raising prices to go with that, so you have to. No, and that's why we were careful because I started learning early on, and you know, I think one of you guys mentioned how I got to make a lot of the mistakes on the small level. I learned that butter prices can fluctuate extremely, like within a few weeks. I went from one day paying like six dollars to nine dollars, and it literally was within two weeks. I said, "Well, that's a big difference," and we use all pure ingredients, um, so. 
we have a very high butter content in everything we make and we only use buttercream. So, you know, that's partly a reason why we charge a little higher to always accommodate for that because nobody likes to see your prices change. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you also can't stay in business if you're taking a loss on butter <laughs> on butter charges. Right. Why do you build me up so we, we try to be careful for that. Um, and yeah, that's another one of those little nitty-gritty things that you mentioned that the surprises that we get, like sometimes your your suppliers don't have what you need and all of a sudden you have to stop everything you're doing and find another one or they did deliver something wrong and you know, having always you always need to have that like cushion for things to go wrong because something always does especially with our medium. Like we've had cakes fall apart. We've, you know, spent all night making cake pops and then realized, you know, there was a wrong color and the wrong shade of pink and we had to start all over again. And our work is just so labor intensive. That's what people don't understand that they're paying for when they're paying for a design cake. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not the materials at the end of the day. It's how long it takes us. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's the reason they come to this bakery and they're not just picking something up that's like prepackaged at a grocery store. Right, because if you want to be God, like you come here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I guess, I mean, that's a great takeaway though. Like, pl- like for example, you were talking about how July, all of a sudden you realize that, you know, people are out of town and so the, the walk-ins kind of, dwindled a bit and then like building in building in pricing for the whole year building in pricing for like your ingredients to fluctuate like that's I think that's something it's like people we went to a conference the other day um and they were saying like build your budget around the whole year not just like if you're a floor you know if you're a florist and obviously like don't don't take your numbers based on like June when all the weddings happen like Really, like, build, really, like, get a scope of the whole year when you're planning. Which you have to be very realis- realistic about. I think it can yeah. be easy to be like, oh, we had this great month. Let's just pretend that's like our whole year to like yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish. Make, make you feel better about it. And that's challenging to, to know your seasons before you begin. Because we didn't know, and every year it's changed for me. My first year was in my apartment, so, you know, very small scale. My second year was in a commercial kitchen, so no retail exposure. And now this is our first year in retail, and there's just a lot of things that, you know, you can prepare as much as you want, but you're not going to know till you do it. And just, you know, doing your best to keep your cool when all the surprises come. Because Noelle knows I like to freak out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I've had way less, like, freak out calls in the la- over the last year. <laughs> well, that's because I got a boyfriend. That too. You got a, boy- a really a cat, good boyfriend. Right? A really good boyfriend. And who just got me a cat right before our three-year anniversary? Matthew is... Things are night and day with Matthew. Yeah. Matthew. And he's, you know, he's been a, a big part of all of this. Like, he's... He's been my rock. He's who I go home crying to every day. And he's who I go home to celebrate with. And I think anyone who's about to start a business, figure out who that person is going to be for you because you need emotional support every single day. Like every day is hard when you're starting. Um, Things just go wrong all the time and then things need to be celebrated all the time. So figure out who your core circle is because you're really going to need them and make sure they understand what you're getting into. Absolutely. That's great advice because, yeah. I was just going to ask you what keeps you going and that sounds like that's you know, probably a big part of it. That's a big part of it. You know, I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like a lot of people have given me a lot of support. A lot of people have put in a lot of money to help me, you know, build this little dream shop here. 
But, you know, there's two people that actually have to deal with me every single day. And that's my assistant, May, and my boyfriend, Matthew. Those are the two who actually make the daily sacrifices, um, you know, on the personal level and with the work. Like, for my assistant, May, like, if somebody calls at 5 o'clock right before closing and says they want 500 pieces by 9 a.m. the next day, which that just happened two weeks ago, she doesn't flinch when I say, actually, tomorrow, instead of coming in at 7, I need to come in at 4. Mm-hmm. And she's there. Mm-hmm. You know, and when, you know, the one of our staff members sends a text message to quit in the middle of the night with no warning, she's staying late every day helping with dishes. You know, she's always flexible and helping as much as she can. And I need to make sure that at the end of the day, they didn't do this for nothing. Like, my boyfriend has a full-time job, and he's still here every Saturday. Mm-hmm. He put half his savings in this bakery for me. Like if I don't make it work and if it doesn't become a success, those are the people that I'm going to regret hurting the most because I need them to know that they're fighting for something with me, that I'm not leading them into just... pet project. Yeah. This isn't a hobby. This isn't me just dreaming. Like I had this planned out and it's going to work. I just need you to hang in there a little bit longer. Just trust me and know that it's just, you know, not in vain. Listen, baby. Ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide enough, baby. If you need me, call me, no matter where you are, no matter how far. Don't worry, baby. That's beautiful. I love that. And also, I'll say you've always had, you've always approached this as a business. Like, even, you know, when people, like, they first start thinking about something that they really want to do and they want to turn their, their passion into their, you know, into their career um i think people have a lot of doubt when they first start talking about it but you've always like the second you decide to do something like and i actually think that this is like one of the most admirable things about you the second you decide to do something you take it a thousand percent seriously and you don't talk about it like it's like a fleeting thing you talk about it like you're like this is a business like even if you're not making you know like even if you're you're doing someone a favor or someone's doing you a favor you always talk about it with like with so much in like you give it so much thought and you give it a lot of attention and I think that that's really important I think for people to hear is like that you need to be supportive of all the people who are being supportive of you that mentorship or or like these relationships are so reciprocal and that's the only way you're really gonna you're gonna have that loyalty yeah because I think at the end of the day and like it's part of human nature like we want to help each other and there's a lot of people who will want to help you as long as you're nice (laughs) just be nice be appreciative and actually listen to their input and know who to ask I think that's a big part Mm -hmm. of it too don't just go asking anyone for help like only ask people that you respect do some research Mm -hmm. don't just grab a body just because they said they can design did you see their portfolio do you know what you're asking because they're going to appreciate that too Mm -hmm. like I I have an old coworker of mine who's been helping me with all of my design work Lynchy and I already know her style so if she gives me something I I trust it versus I've worked with other people where I end up changing their work so much and I think okay I should have never even asked them next time I won't Mm -hmm. so do a little research before you ask for favors because nobody wants to give you a bad product just know what their style and limitations are so that they don't feel bad later they want to feel like they got a win right yeah as trust building yeah like Noelle knows there's certain things to ask me and certain things not to (laughs) (laughs) and I think the same same goes the other way right it's like no I really like that though well it seems like you've just generally 
again, I guess maybe because you had thought about it as a business from the beginning, been real realistic with it and being able to look at the holes and not just like the parts that, you know, are easy just to like focus on and keeping that improvement seems to be a big key for you. And, uh, or like just, there's just this, even like what you're saying with like friends and people being like totally okay with being like, this is your strength. This is not so much your strength. I love you, but it actually would not he- help either of us if you helped me with this part. Right. <laughs> you know? And I think it's really easy to be like, oh, this person's my friend. So like, but yeah. Of course it's just like, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like such a huge part of like our, uh, one of our like chill and ambitious, um, like. Yeah, you're so our, chill and ambitious. One of our chill and ambitious, like, <laughs> ma- oh, we have a, we have a, a manifesto and like it, it's to, leverage your abilities like always leverage your abilities and that's true about other people too is like what are their strengths it's like it's people don't really like to think about what they're not great at but it's like what are you really great at like know your limits and then mm-hmm. seek help outside of that yeah and it's it takes a while to learn what those things are like i've learned that my specialty is really with the people I, I build the client's trust and, you know, I'm good with the networking and gathering resources. So more and more, I've let my assistant take over more responsibility in the kitchen and I've had to step on the forefront. And, you know, sometimes I wish, like, I didn't have to deal with anyone. I could just hide back in the kitchen and build my cakes. But, you know, I had to recognize where my strengths were and what the company needed more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a hard thing of, like, letting go. We, uh, as, people, a creative as a creative person, is like letting go of what you're not, what you don't have to do. Cause you're, you know, you're like, this is mine. This is my baby. It's my baby bees. <laughs> and you know, my sister said something the other day that really stuck with me. She said, I don't have an assistant because I can't do it. I have one. So I don't have to do it. And she's like, you have to remember, like, just because you don't do it, it's not a reflection of you. It doesn't mean you can't, mm-hmm. but you just chose to let somebody else help you. And you have to get comfortable with getting more of that help. Because I'm tired. Yeah. I do want to... <laughs> more people. That's <laughs> true. I know. You do. It'll, it'll happen. People. People who need people. Are the luckiest people. It's a really impressive bake shop. I'm so proud that you're doing this. <laughs> Thank you. It, it is like, it's not a, it's one of those ideas that, you know, I think if someone tells you like, oh, I'm going to make a bake shop, it's like, it's not like a no brainer that that's going to be something to invest in, honestly, just because, you know, there's like how many different cupcake shops, but right. it seems like, you know, you've just really made it happen because of like your conviction in it and your conviction and also willing to problem solve, not just like, be like, I'm going to do this no matter what, but I'm not going to like think about like strategically how to make this happen. And you've been very open about it, it seems like. Yeah, because I've been around a lot of startups. I think that's what really helped. Um, I Right when I finished at Berkeley, I started with uh, Credit Karma, which you know is now completely blown up in San Francisco. But you know I was there when it was just a big open studio that with a couple sense. employees. So, and I was there helping, you know, them find their health plans and insurance policies. So, you know, to be fair, I got a glimpse and I walked in with some background of knowing what challenges were ahead and what I had to consider. Um, my mother has her own business too. So, you know, I was there when she started. I was much younger at the time, so I didn't 
quite grasp all of it, but she's had two businesses as, throughout my childhood. So I watched that, you know, and just always paying attention to what's going on around you and picking up little, you know, tidbits here and there that can help you later in life. I love that. And all these past experiences you had, you know, you didn't necessarily go to cupcake school, whatever school. <laughs> cupcake and, school. and then like found a, a cupcake mentor and then like made a cupcake store, you mm-hmm. know, and I think people get hung up on that a lot too. Like a lot of people are trying to like change careers or like they want, they're thinking about it and like, oh, I wasted all this time doing this other career. But you start building your foundation in everything you do in life. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of digging into that and pulling you know, what was most useful out of all your other experiences and applying it into your new one. Because I didn't go to culinary school. You know, I don't, I don't really have a business background either. I was always in marketing. Um, I was communications major. But there's ways that you can, what, what did you say earlier? Leverage your Leverage abilities. Your abilities. <laughs> and just being aware of what they are. Will you let life be your school in that way? Yeah. You know, I've, I'm just naturally a very sensitive person. <laughs> so, you know, I think that that was a big part of it. Like I could just, you know, you just kind of go by feeling sometimes. Like you, you try to put as much analysis and, you know, numbers and charts behind your decisions. But at the end of the day, you just kind of have to feel them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. Yeah. This has been so wonderful. Thank you for caring about my business. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, it's funny. I told I told Olivia the story. I was like, oh, well, you know, B started by like making some cookies, posting them online. People, friends were like, can I have some? Can I buy some? And then it, now she has this storefront and it sounds like, you know, like the dream story kind of. And it it is. It's beautiful. But, you know, it. It's nice for you to sh- thank you for sharing all of the the stuff we don't see. Well, I'm glad that you guys are interested in the story <laughs> and that it can be useful for your series. And then whenever you're back in Beverly Hills, you know to come to Baby Bee's Bake Shop. Absolutely. Absolutely. Check her out, um, babybeesbakeshop.com. Um, B spelled with B-E-A. Um, for Beatrice. For Beatrice. For B. We'll wow. have... We'll have um, more information on our website as well. If you go to our show notes and you look under Baby Bee's episode, you can find out a lot more. All right. I'm No. And I'm O. Oh, and I'm B. And thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I got a sweet tooth. This one, you're going to need a root canal.